0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: And welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24 7. Sports Network my name is Nathan King we are now obviously into SEC game week for Auburn as the Tigers get ready to head to College Station 11 a.m. on Saturday against Texas A&M Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies and obviously we're going to talk about that game this week going to go around the horn on the SEC a little bit though with our publisher here of Auburn Undercover.com Ronnie Sanders and Paul Feinbaum from ESPN and the SEC Network makes his return appearance on the Auburn Undercover podcast, Paul, how has, uh, how has the early stages of the season been treating you? It's been pretty fascinating,
2: uh, Nathan. Uh, you know, every week, it's seemingly there seemingly been a meltdown. LSU was the first week, Alabama the second, and Alabama the third. <laughs> what do you see
3: um, this weekend, and what does it mean for for Auburn? What does it mean for Jimbo?
2: Yeah, well, uh, let's talk about Jimbo. Uh, an auburn win out there and uh, <laughs> you know where does Jimbo go uh, I mean seriously uh, I, I mean you look at uh, you got Arkansas next week if I'm looking at my schedule correctly and then Alabama and Tennessee uh, if he loses to auburn uh, he's very likely to lose the next three and at that point uh, I mean, I'm giving you the Armageddon scenario I uh, I think it's going to be more difficult for him to survive. But on the other hand, I still think they have a pretty good team. Uh, I mean, I, you guys need to tell me more about Auburn because I haven't seen a lot of Auburn. Uh, I've seen a little more of A&M, and, and I think offensively they have a lot going for them. So uh, to me, this is a, a pretty good spot for A&M. Well, and Nathan could jump in here in a minute, but, I, you know, after three games,
3: um, I don't think we know a lot about Auburn. Um, you've got so many different – so many new players on the team. You've got so many new coaches. Um, you've got so many, so many, so many new people around around the uh, around the program. Uh, I'm not sure that these guys even know how to play together. And yeah. you know, you, you look at the first game. You didn't get anything out of that. Um, you know, the Sanford game was a Sanford game. I mean, it was. I don't think we got much out of that. And then you look at the Cal game, and it was they were they were fortunate to win and didn't play very well. So I think this weekend says a lot. Um, you know, I think what, I looked it up the other day. I think Auburn's four and one in College Station, um, so it should be interesting. Um, yeah,
2: I, I don't think there's a there's a tremendous advantage uh, for. I, mean, I, th- I think Texas A and M has the advantage, but you know, playing at eleven o'clock. I, I did uh, we did our show uh, last Saturday morning, and we went into the stadium uh, at the beginning to the, the last thirty minutes, uh, and we're talking ten thirty in the morning in Starfield, Mississippi. On a 90-degree day, there was no atmosphere. Uh, I mean, this isn't Kyle Field at night. And I, I, I happened to look at the forecast. I don't know if you guys have seen it for College Station. It's coo- it's getting co- cool where I am. I mean, I walked out today and you know, I was shivering. I think the forecast Saturday is 98. So uh, you're, you're talking about half of that stadium being in you know, you know, probably 95 degrees, uh index of 110 i mean i don't i don't think the atmosphere is going to be too exciting to you i agree
1: well i always kyle field is always one i've only been there once but and, and you guys have probably been there a lot more it doesn't have the same i think decibel ceiling that that maybe some others do i haven't been there for a night game the only one i was there was when auburn did win but the rowdiness i don't think is nathan it's, it's
2: it's it's like a lot it's completely different at night i mean it's really uh, okay uh, it's got a vibe at night, but uh, I, I don't know how many stadiums do have a vibe at 11 o'clock on a 95 degree day. LSU, well, may remember, be the only one. <laughs> well, I
3: remember us playing you know, when I was at Auburn, uh, we played at Ole Miss. Um, and of course, you remember how the 11 o'clock games went when we were at Florida, Ball, Um, I believe the Mississippi State game where we got fired was at 11 o'clock, right? Exactly, <laughs> was you know, but I remember being on the sidelines at Auburn, and I mean, and we're playing at Ole Miss, and I mean. It was an 11 o'clock game and, you know, there was it was just kind of a, you know, other than other than getting pelted by whiskey bottles along the sideline. It was it was pretty, pretty dull. Yeah,
2: I I've been to a, I've been at 11 o'clock games in, in Tiger Stadium and you saw what happened last year. Tennessee won by 28. And then, of course, I was down there in 2001 uh, when 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 the whiskey bottle missed me and hit Tumberville. So <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, it's a totally
3: different story. It's completely – I mean, and you mentioned Tiger Stadium. I mean, LSU at night is a completely different different animal than at 11 o'clock in the morning, even at 2.30. Um, you know, Tiger Stadium at night is a completely different atmosphere. Um, well, uh, talking about Auburn, how do you see the, uh, the Georgia game in two weeks?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it, assuming Auburn survives this game without, you know, just completely imploding uh, – and that's that's not a great analysis there. But, you know, let's say they're they're competitive, win or lose. I, I think that game sets up really interesting because there, there's a real concern at Georgia right now. They lost one of their key linemen, I think, Mims. Uh, that's a big deal. People tell me inside that building that they are that is not a minor injury. Uh, insiders always look at things a little differently than those of us on the outside. They're, Georgia can afford injuries more than any other school, but still. Um, and, and they have to be questioning themselves uh, right now about you know where wh- wh- where is this program? It, it was a rough offseason, if there can be such a thing, but it was, and it doesn't. Uh, the start of the season has been pretty shaky. There's no there's no bi- there's no reason why Georgia should be in trouble against South Carolina, and I mean, that, there's no reason whatsoever. Uh, that's not a game you you look at like uh, Sanford. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a legitimate rival. It's also a school that beat you about four years ago in your building. So, uh, I mean, it, I I didn't understand that one. So uh, I I I saw more. I, I didn't see the first half. I saw the second half when they played well. So I'm I'm at a disadvantage. But I mean, I think that could be a big game. Is that is that that's a two thirty game if I remember? So I think that that sets up for. A, a really big moment for Hugh Freeze, uh, in, in his tenure there, you know, because of, you know, the importance of that game, the weirdness of having that game bounce around the calendar, like it does. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but, uh, that, that game where it was in mid November was about as special as anything on the calendar. Absolutely. Absolutely. A little bit like the Tennessee game, you know, third Saturday. Yeah. In October. I mean, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, the Iron Bowl stand alone, but my, it was one of probably my favorite game because it, there was just such – I got to Auburn uh, at the – you know, around the same time, right, right before Pat died. So there was just so much uh, – there was so much history in that game. And, you know, the first time I covered an Auburn-Georgia game, uh, Herschel Walker was playing for the first time. I mean, there were – you know, so it, there were the, the connections were endless. Uh, I don't know if they still are, uh, but, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll show my age, but when, you know, how cool was it when the Auburn coach played at Georgia and the Georgia coach played at Auburn? I mean, that, that made it really uh, inc- an incredible rivalry. Absolutely. And then, you know, die, if you remember,
3: um, amen corner. And he would get, yeah. he would get his cough before Amen before Amen corner. I mean,
2: think about, uh, this is during the heyday of Florida and Georgia and, I mean, Auburn played Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, and, and, and there may have been like a homecoming game thrown in there, but that, thats how the season ended. Absolutely.
3: And then you had Tennessee earlier in the year. Yeah. And what do you see happening with um, with Saban after the season? I mean, how much longer do you see him going?
2: I think I think he's at a really really critical crossroads, Ronnie, and and I think in many ways Saturday against Ole Miss may may be the barometer of which way it goes because I think if they survive that game. Then, uh, you know, they can maybe figure out some problems uh, and, and try to lay it all down against either A&M in two weeks or Tennessee in four weeks or LSU in November. But if this game goes south, uh, essentially the season's over. I mean, Alabama doesn't play for, you know, good bowl games. They play to win championships. And I, I don't. Think you can make a very strong case that they would? I, frankly, I don't know how you can make a case now that they're going to be a championship team. But uh, you know, you, you you guys live in Alabama, so you understand the mindset. So yeah, uh, you know, I think I think if, I, th- I think a loss Saturday and then another one quickly after that somewhere, uh, and, and then the questions just start to mushroom. And what, what's really surprising is that the questions are still they're coming up now. I mean, I'm I, on a show like ours, which where Nick Saban has has always been bulletproof people are legitimately wondering, you know, is, is this the beginning of the end or is this close to the end? And having uh, – I'm, I'm one of the few people around. I mean, you guys, I think, I have one working for you, so I, I don't want to act like I'm the only one. But there are not many people still working in a viable fashion who covered the end of Paul Bryant 40 years ago. Uh, there are some similarities. What do
3: you see – do you see him hanging around? Let's just say they finish 8-4, 7-5. Um, does he call it quits? Or-
2: well, Ronnie, you know him. You've worked for him, but uh, I, I think it depends on the tone and tenor. I mean, he he looks lost right now. Uh, he, <laughs> it's only I, I was with him a, a week a week ago for the Texas game that morning, and he didn't have. There was something missing. Uh, it was like visiting, a, you know, when you were young, visiting your grandf- grandfather after maybe an illness. That he just didn't quite have the bite, and it either either Saban has has moved on, which seems unlikely, or he knows what serious problems he has on this team and he simply can't cope with it. And I, th- I think I don't think he's moved on. I think he's still he still got it, but he's also he's got he's got enormous talent. We had a guy in yesterday, Ari Wasserman from the Athletic, who, who's who's a guru of rankings and power. And he said going into the season that Alabama may have had the most talented team per per star ranking of any of any team that he'd ever seen. And, And we're looking at the result right now, a team that took a took an interception and a last second score to comfortably get ahead of easily one of the worst clubs in college football. And that was South Florida. So uh I've seen, I've seen crazier things, but, uh, you know, you, you have to start thinking that this season is about to go off the rails. You know, I watched a little bit of his press conference
3: after the South Florida game, and he really didn't look like the same guy. Um, hmm. He really kind of looked, like you said, a little, bit, a little bit lost. And I've talked to a number of people around him uh, or that have been around him for the past several years, and the, the same things keep coming up. It's, you know, he's gone through so many coaches, and it's been so long. Um, he has a he has a, an issue hiring guys that he doesn't because he doesn't really know anybody because he's kind of isolated at least based on what I've heard. Well, you
2: so, I mean, think about this: we're we are three weeks into the season, and there's already a controversy at, at the offensive coordinator. Uh, again, uh, I don't know how you can sugarcoat it. Tommy Reese has been a bust so far. Um, I've, I've never. Uh, I mean, I, I've covered some terrible coaches in my career. Um, I mean, really, really clueless people. Um, and I've never seen anybody mismanage a quarterback situation this early in the season. Yeah, And a lot of people point back to Alabama when Coker started, Bateman came in and then uh, that took care of itself pretty quickly. And they won the national championship. Uh, so I mentioned the offensive coordinator. You've, you've already have a controversy, a defensive coordinator. I mean, what Lane Kiffin said this week about Kevin Steele, perhaps not making the calls. Saban didn't deny that. All he said was Kevin Steele is our defensive coordinator. And he admitted later in that same conversation that, you know, we've changed a few things on game day. Yeah. Like having T-Rob making the calls on the field. I mean, I mean, anyone who was, who was down there could see that. Now was it because South Florida was up tempo and you, you didn't have time to get everything in from upstairs, especially with who knows what going on with the weather. I don't know, but, uh, I detect some some problems down there already from Kevin Steele because Kevin Steele was really not a great hire. I know the media that, that covers Alabama tried to make it out to be a great haul. Nick Saban, comfortable. But, you know, he's already fired the guy once. Uh, he let him go another time. Uh, and now he brought him back because he couldn't hire Jeremy Pruitt.
3: I mean, it's been – it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. I mean, what what happens if he goes to Auburn and loses the Iron Bowl?
2: <laughs> yeah i mean I, I think uh i think that's probably to be determined really what auburn's all about and i know we'll get to that in a second because I, I don't know but uh i mean for nick saban when you have to start explaining well he's done this you don't need to do that ever i mean i get people on our show all the time guys well you know nick saban i, I, I hey buddy I was there at the beginning. I've covered every game of Nick. I, you don't need to tell me how great he is. What you need to tell me is what's he going to do now. And nobody knows. Uh, I just did a, I just did an, uh, a, a deal with uh, Stephen A. Smith. Who's like the biggest Nick Saban Homer I've ever been around uh, on first take. And he said, I don't like this team. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, if people are looking for exits, trying to get off because nobody wants to be associated with it. And uh, I mean, I think there's enough talent on this Alabama team to, to win big games, but is it, is it, is there enough to win consistently? I don't think there is.
3: Um, it's going to be interesting. What do you see about, what do you see in scheduling as Texas and Oklahoma come into the league?
2: Yeah, here's uh, we're going to find out in, in early December what the what the schedule looks like. Uh, by the way, the schools have the schedule. So uh you want to do some reporting, uh, you might be able to learn. I, and I, all I was told by, 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 by a source um, was this: it's going to be spectacular. Now, we already know what the games are, we just don't know when they are. But rest assured, having worked, uh, we're, you know, currently working on the TV side, uh, they have managed this schedule better than this year, which was a terrible schedule early in the season. There were, there were two or three weeks when we really didn't have much to watch. Uh, that will not be the case next year, uh, especially with Texas and Oklahoma. Those games are going to be featured quickly. Uh, I, I don't know what the schedule is because, uh, I, I mean, all I was told it was fantastic, but you're, you're going to have multiple marquee games every week.
3: Well, how do you see, and, and maybe we've got different opinions, but and Nathan, you can weigh in too, um, Oklahoma and Texas, how do they integrate? How do they look? And this is my opinion, but playing in the Big 12, uh, and playing in the SEC, I mean, in the Big 12, you really have you – know, if you're Texas, you're playing Oklahoma uh, and a couple other games. Um, how does it look lining up against LSU and Alabama and Auburn and Tennessee every week?
2: Well, I think you're going to uh, you know, see more surprises for Oklahoma. And I'm, I'm just counting last season. Uh, but I, I think Texas is peaking at about the right time, and I, I really do think they have it together down there. Having spent the weekend in Tuscaloosa a week ago – Kind of talking to Texas people. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure Texas can finish the job, but but I, I do think their, their their personnel is pretty stout, and I have to believe Oklahoma is is on the comeback trail. So I think they'll they'll come in fairly well. I think they're coming in at a pretty good time though too, because I mean we are whether whether Saban implodes this year or whenever, I mean this is we are we are in the end of the Sarah, Saban era at Alabama so that that is a great time having watched this 41 years ago uh you know why did Auburn ascend in the 80s because uh Pat Dye was was the was a hot young coach in the SEC and Alabama was was going through turmoil I mean you need you need breaks like that and if you're Hugh Freeze you are coming at all you're, you're coming to Auburn at a great time uh uh, you'll get out. You you won't have these long losing streaks to Alabama because uh, th- they will be far more vulnerable over the next couple of years and, and maybe even this year.
1: Paul, we mentioned it earlier how young the season still is. I think I think after this weekend, everyone in the SEC will have started conference play in in some form or fashion against another conference opponent. When when you guys are doing your analysis, and I guess when you're just looking at the league as a whole. How do you sort of balance early in the year? Because this is a challenge for me personally, looking at the first three games of the season versus preseason stuff. Like, Because like you said, we don't know a lot about Auburn. A&M, did they just turn the ball over a bunch at Miami and have a bad defensive game? It's just there's – I feel like we're going to get a lot more data this weekend, but how do you in the early stages of the year kind of balance preseason expectations, what we think is going to happen versus what we've seen in, in limited work on the field?
2: Well, the, the one thing I, I've learned uh, is that in today's world, you're always going to uh, get an inflated view. And I blame people like Ronnie Sanders for that because <laughs> they, they run websites that, that cater to fans and fans don't want to be told bad news. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll, at some point you have to, but, uh, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm using that as an example, but with, with so many sites out there, uh, and Ronnie's been, you know, you understand the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial side. There, there's a little bit too much said about every player, uh, not to pick on Alabama, but why not? Uh, they, uh, they got, they got a, a left tackle from, from Iowa, best player, best lineman in the country. Uh, he's going to dominate. He's going to be, uh, I had, uh, Cole Kubick uh, told me two weeks ago that, that may be the biggest and most impactful offensive line in history. The three of us could get, could get through uh, the blind side on, on Alabama right now. I mean, that guy could, could, can't block anything. Uh, I mean, uh, so and he, I'm sure he'll turn out to be an All-American, but, but he's a freshman. That's a bad position to be at as a freshman. And you understand that, Ronnie, having to be on that football field. And I think we all just – whether we're Tennessee fans or Auburn fans or Alabama fans, we, we go to our, our friendly site, whether it's Auburn undercover or whatever, and we get told how great every, every position is going to be. And I, I, by the way, I'm participating in this. Uh, I have blindly said things about coaches and teams based on instinct and and intuition as opposed to real info. But how does anyone really know? So, uh, you start you, you try not to overreact after the first week, but we all do. Uh, in Auburn's case, uh, you knew Auburn wasn't very good against California, but you also knew Cal was pretty bad too. so but you, you, you took whatever you got and, and you hope you turn it into something. And you hope you don't have a Utah in the first week of the season or a Miami or a Texas. And fortunately for Auburn, uh, the schedule worked out. I mean, think about Auburn if Auburn had to open the season at Utah if Auburn had to play Texas, if Auburn had to play Florida state uh, what you do, you prolong the inevitable, but you also have a chance to get better. And I I don't know if the cliche first week to second week is really true or not. Everybody says it, Um, but at least you get a chance to stay alive and that's what you want. You don't want the season to be over after. I mean, many people wrote Florida off after the first third, you don't want, you want, you don't want to be written off before you get to the first Saturday night of the football season.
3: Well, you know, and let. Last Saturday night against Tennessee, what do you make of you know Florida now? What do you th- what do you make of Tennessee's struggles?
2: Uh, I think they have real concerns because uh, I still believe that Josh Heupel is a is an outstanding head coach and play caller, but uh, you know he got he got away with stuff last year. Uh, should have never won the Al- uh, the Alabama game. I mean that that was a gift. Uh, you know, five or six plays in that game that Alabama just handed them the game, and, and then the the Nick Saban, Pete Golden defense at the end, you know. Let's, you know, we got we got the most prolific passer in the game, who's just destroying us. So why well, put pressure on him? Uh, you know, let's just just, uh, just let him have all the time in the world to find all American receivers. Um, so I, I think, I think they'll bounce back. But that was a that that was just a punishing loss, and uh, Tennessee. Uh, Probably, you know, should have never been considered uh, as great. But how many programs have fans after the first eight people comes out who are just belligerent over their team not being ranked? I heard it from South Carolina fans. I heard it from Tennessee fans. I heard it from Ole Miss fans. Uh, It's just the nature of where we are. eBay
0: Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild, conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: Yeah, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but uh, you know Auburn's got A&M this weekend, and uh, you know what? Obviously, there's a lot of chatter about Jimbo and his seventy-some odd million dollar buyout. Um, you know, one of the things that kind of jump out to me—that kind of jumps out to me—is you look on look at the coordinators on both sides of the ball. You got Bobby Petrino on one side who does not have the most ethical uh, really we'll that idea. <laughs> reputation. And then on the other side, you have got DJ Durkin who. <laughs> had his issues. Uh, and then you've got Jimbo, who um, has uh, certainly not. Well, all you're
2: missing is Mel Tucker. Exactly. You know, um, so. Uh, no, else? it's a, you know, Durkin was, you know, remember Elaine Kiffin hired him and, you know, Kiffin took some heat and it worked out moderately well. I mean, he's got a record, uh, but he, but he does have baggage, but I mean, nobody has more baggage than Bobby Petrino. I mean, he, he retired the trophy, uh, but, you know, it was a desperation move. I think the real question is, uh, and, and I think we'll all know more after being in College Station this weekend. Is just what is the mood of, of that fan base, not the fan base, but uh, the fat cats, the guys that you know have the thousand-dollar boots and the ten-gallon hats, and you know, can they, can they, you know, if things got really bad, they lost to Auburn this weekend, uh, which is possible and drop the uh, the arkansas game and the alabama game i I come on uh 70 million for those guys ronnie i mean that's they can find it well it's gene Gene chizik 2012
3: i mean could be it could be um it's gonna be interesting to see how yeah i mean
2: auburn auburn didn't really uh i mean auburn nobody nobody went to auburn officials and said uh, hey he did win a national championship. They knew they had to get rid of that guy.
3: That's right. And I think Jimbo is much in the same position, certainly if it if it implodes. And if you talk to people, um, it, it, there's a lot of concern around the program that he's kind of lost lost control.
2: What was interesting is he he had managed to calm it, all, calm it down. With the, the Petrino hire sucked so much oxygen out that Jimbo's future really wasn't a big deal. I sat with him at media days and, you know, when I brought up his feature, he kind of laughed it off. I mean, he, I mean, Ronnie, you know, him better than I do. I mean, that's a kind of a typical defense mechanism, but uh, you know, he, he had me believing for a few minutes that this thing was turning and I, I, I don't know what to make out of the Miami game. So uh, there's no reason to make too much out of it right now. These next couple of weeks will,
1: will tell us all we need
2: to know. For sure. Nathan.
1: Yeah. I was going to say as much as I'm kind of, I'm willing for the sake of this game to, Right off. And I'm talking to somebody who works, who covers Texas AM yesterday. They do believe that there are some real defensive issues from that game, just like Auburn thinks there are offensive issues from the Cal game. But again, we can say it a lot of different ways, but this should be kind of an equalizer on Saturday to really let you know where both teams are. I think an, an A&M win is a lot, or excuse me, an AM loss is a lot worse than an Auburn loss. Yeah. You're not necessarily expecting Hugh free We were talking about it yesterday, Ronnie. With the 11 a.m. kick, which by the way we've been talking about it here, and Hugh Freeze talked about it this week, saying, "What a difference from the Cal game, which was 9:30 p.m. Auburn time." You know, this is much more of a business trip kind of element. But we were talking about yesterday, Ronnie, like this is this is the definition of of a loose game for Auburn. Nothing to lose. Beginning of SEC play. Freeze said it yesterday. He said it all preseason. How much more talent other teams have than them? Like he's you know he's he's very candid about it. He's saying these guys stack class after class after class of this talent. We've got half a recruiting class and a bunch of transfers. And so I think that can play into Auburn's favor. It, really all the pressure is on a want to talk about Jimbo. I want to talk about Petrino. I want to talk about the expectations there. I think it's a good spot for Auburn. I'm not sure if I'm going to pick them to win, but in terms of, a, in terms of an SEC opener, it's kind of nice to be able to go and play loose in an 11 a.m. game. Yeah, I, mean,
2: I, I frankly think, guys, that Auburn just needs to compete well. Um, I don't expect them to win, uh, but... You know, I think the Georgia game next week uh, is, 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 is far more important, just from a recruiting standpoint. From this game will get be forgotten about quickly uh, outside of uh, outside of Auburn, uh, and you know, what you don't want is just a disaster, uh, and then try to turn around and, and get ready for Georgia. But it, it you just want to, uh, I, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of first year coaches, and you, you want moments that that convince your, your program and convince your fans and mostly re- convince recruits that you're on the rise and you don't want to go up. You don't want to go into A&M, which is a program that has lost its luster and, and just look terrible
3: and get run out. If you go back and look at the A&M game last year, uh, there's a psychological element, element to that. Now half the Auburn's football team wasn't there last year, um, but the guys that were um, and the A&M players that experienced that atmosphere, I would think that would have some kind of effect um, because certainly the Auburn fan base uh, showed out last year. Um, and um, as an alum, um, you know, you you get comments from around the country, like what's with you guys? Um, and, um, you know, I, I think that's, uh, maybe that's an, uh, maybe that's a uh, an issue too, maybe not.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, I think everything we said here is correct in, in the sense that, uh, you know, there, there's just there. There is enormous pressure on Jimbo Fisher now every week, um, and I think Hugh, Hugh has to take advantage of that, and I think he will. I mean, he's a pretty loose coach, and uh, I think he got what he wanted out of, out of last week, which you know, isn't much, but at least you know they get out there, and, and you know he, I, I don't think you can overplay the the buildup either. I, 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 mean, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what the I mean if AM wins I don't know what the number is but uh, as long as as long as Auburn can can get to next week with momentum I think that's a that's a win. Well and you know if you look at
3: Auburn um and we talked about this a little I know we're jumping around some but we talked about this a little bit before. Um Auburn is probably more aligned and you've been around longer than I have Paul but you know if you look back to nineteen eighty one um Auburn's probably more aligned now than at any time since then. Maybe a little bit when Tuberville was hired for a short period of time. But, you know, other than that, I mean, to have a president, the athletic director, the head football coach, new facility, um, all that stuff it sounds very similar to the 80s for Auburn.
2: Will you tell me a time, uh, it really uh – under Malzahn, Malzahn other than the first year when things were really going well. I mean, I mean, there were, there were a couple of good years after that, but it was always chaotic and really after, I don't know, his last five years were, were a roller coasters. So no, you're right. And, and, and I think uh, what's important now is, you know, that alignment translates into recruiting and Auburn is doing well, but it has to, keep it has to do better. Uh, I mean, the, the, the kind of players that Georgia, Alabama, LSU, are, and A&M, too, are stockpiling is, is pretty unbelievable. And I think, I think that's another aspect of Saturday. It's, a, it's an important recruiting game uh, because these guys do watch. They pay attention to these games. And, you know, you're, you're always uh, at the mercy of what some 17-year-old is thinking. Now, I don't think he's going to think too much of what's going on at
1: AM, and so that's an advantage.
3: Nathan?
1: Yeah, well, and even from we saw it was kind of a meeting of the the past and the present. They were out seeing the five-star Tex A&M receiver commit Cam Coleman, and it was Damian Craig out there seeing his guy, and it was Hugh Freeze right next to him. And so that's a couple you know generations of, of now Auburn guys who are right next to each other at that game. He's still a guy, like you said, that's Auburn is still working on these guys. And as important as Georgia is as well, that's going to be the one where you're going to have a ton of recruits. And I mean, our our recruiting guy already put up a visitor list for the Georgia game because it's just it's just going to be that big. Um, You know, A&M is obviously there as well. Uh, Paul, I wanted to ask one more before we before we let you go. It's been such a chaotic start to the season and there's been a couple maybe surprising results for for teams all over the SEC. If I had to ask you right now, who's going to be playing in Atlanta, and probably it would be more of a more of a thought process, maybe on the West instead of the East. But who would your who would your two teams be? I would
2: I would probably go with Georgia and LSU. Uh, a week ago, I may have gone with Alabama, but uh, I've I've lost faith in Alabama right now. I, I just I don't like the I don't like the optics. I don't like uh, really much about it. Uh, I don't think Milrow is is miller is good enough to to win you a game but he's equally good enough to lose you a game um and i thought they they had one shot maybe and and that was if if buckner was was what they said he was going to be because he looks like a quarterback and and they need they they, i just don't think Milrow is good enough uh to to beat lsu and 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 all i mean to win enough uh i I don't see i lost that game badly but I, I i i sense they learned a lot from it and that's, that's good uh, you know you can survive that game if if if, if you uh, improve dramatically and you know georgia i'm, I'm not concerned about georgia uh, i don't i don't think anybody can can get them uh, i think florida will just as likely throw away that tennessee win uh i can't imagine them not stumbling along the way uh, at various points i think tennessee bounces back but you know kentucky i mean I mean, convince me. I, I mean, I have a hard time believing that they will be a factor having to go to Georgia in a couple of weeks. That's well, going to be, you know, over the next couple of years is going to be interesting to watch. Billy, but by the way, I mean the, the the one outlier, and I'll go ahead and amend my my answer for a second. Is, is could be Ole Miss. Uh, I don't think they have enough, but you know, the, they have a schedule now where they have, I think, Alabama. Where they have Alabama and uh, LSU back to back. Believe so. Um, right. They got on a hot streak for these next few weeks. They could they could put a big dent uh, in that trip uh, for everybody else.
3: Well, you know, like you say, I mean, it's been uh, maybe Ole Miss has a shot, but uh, you know the the split in divisions in '92, uh, and I think uh, what Ole Miss has never even been to the championship game. So it's, no,
2: and then you just have to believe can Lane Kiffin win one big game, let alone two in a row. Well, Paul, we appreciate you being with us. It's always a pleasure, Uh, Nathan, Ronnie. uh, Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you you much.